do you seem so scared? All I wanted to do was play with you. Welcome to Terror Tracks. We publish new episodes every Monday at 2 a.m. EST. Go to terrortracks.com slash shop if you would like to support the show. And follow us on social media at terrortracks.com slash follow. Enjoy the show. Chapter 30 Pandora Research Incorporated What did the chief say? Star asked. Happy hour tomorrow. Glazed donuts and coffee. Buy one, get one free. Stop that, Star said, giving me a stiff shot to the side. That one hurt a little. I gave her a stern look, and she smiled arrogantly. You know, I should arrest you for assault on a police officer, I said. Star hugged me and looked into my eyes. Get out the cuffs then, baby. I looked at the plane inside the hangar. It seemed serviceable, and the train only went back east. We needed to go west. It had some thick foliage covering the bottom. That'll have to wait. We need to fly to Pandora, I said. Fly? She asked. Yes, fly, I said, pointing at the plane. How did you learn to do that while catching bad guys? I stayed in the doghouse most of my marriage, had plenty of time to myself. Sometimes I'd call Marie fat just to get some peace and quiet. Star laughed so hard that she started crying, holding her gut. Oh my God, that's terrible, but I love it, she said. I hadn't flown a jet in years. The last thing I flew was a chopper back during recon missions when Remote threatened us four years ago. Those bastards ended up using the Fallen to take our base at Solonac. We never got that one back either. A mercenary named Merrick runs that site now. He struck up a peace deal with us to decommission the warheads, but he was allowed to keep a few naval ships and other arms. Invading Solonac would have caused too many casualties for no payoff. The SAM sites there were too advanced for us to ever try and bomb it. Hell, we didn't even let the Madiva army have SAM sites until we took the country over. We used to be called the USSO, the United Socialist States of Oryx. That was until we invaded Durek and Madiva. After that, we renamed the country to MSO, the military state of Oryx. We walked over to the plane, and I checked the engine and controls. Everything seemed to be operational. We got inside, and Star trembled. Rick, we've come a long way. If you can't fly this thing... Hold on to your ass. We're out of here, I said as the plane pulled out of the hangar and onto the runway. I hate flying. Be careful. Strap in. It's been a while. You might feel some turbulence, I said. Star closed her eyes and tensed up. We pulled down the runway, and I pulled the lever back full throttle. We came down the runway at full speed, and the cliff was approaching faster than I had anticipated. Hold on. This is going to be rough, I said. I pulled the stick back harder, and my arms shook from all the pressure of trying to get the damn thing off the ground. It was a stubborn thing. The cliff approached even faster. We only had around 50 feet left before we took a nosedive right off. Come on, you bastard, take off, I yelled. Shit, Star screamed as the plane left the ground. The plane shook with some turbulence on the way up, and Star hyperventilated. The plane climbed higher and higher until we reached 10,000 feet. This is your pilot speaking. No need to panic. Everything is under control. 
Oh shit, a mountain! I yelled. Star opened her eyes and screamed, but realized there was nothing in front of us. I laughed at her, and she slapped my arm repeatedly. Stop doing that, she said. The plane finally stabilized, and we were smooth flying. The mountains below were lush with trees and snow-covered peaks. The birds flew by the plane. Some flew right next to us. A single falcon followed us for the first half hour or so. You all right over there? I asked. No, I'm scared. I hate heights, Star said. Oh, well, that's unfortunate, I said. Why? I made the plane do a full 360 roll clockwise, and she screamed. She was so mad, she even started swearing in a different language. I didn't care. I thought it was funny. I laughed while I got the plane level. Her face was red, and I felt my arm light on fire. Don't ever, ever do that again! Star screamed, slapping my arm with each word. I tried to hold back my laughter and said, I love you, babe. She grumbled, Love you, under her breath, and stared out the window. She pouted all the way to Pandora. We landed at North Pandora Airfield a few miles away from the research complex. The plane came to a halt. It was a small airfield, mainly for people coming in private jets and helicopters. I jumped out of the plane with a duffel bag carrying our weapons. Star stormed off, walking down the runway, leaving me behind. Hey, we gotta go the other way. Where are you going? I said. She stopped, looked down, and walked back, looking very upset. Come on, I was just playing. We got here in one piece. She stood there and stewed in anger. We have to go see Mr. Eva. Let's go. Star didn't budge. So I started to walk away. Is that all you're worried about? You don't ask if I'm okay. You don't check on me. Don't even ask me what's wrong, she said, throwing her hands up. I'm sorry, I messed up. Are you all right? I asked. I'm fine, she said, walking toward the airstrip's exit without me. I ran after her, trying to catch up. I knew she was legitimately mad this time. I felt a little bad, but still, it was pretty funny. When I caught up to her, I tried to grab her arm. She jerked away from me and kept walking. I followed her all the way to Pandora Lab's entrance. The building was an office building with glass windows scattered around the outside. The entrance doors had a large white awning. Scientists were entering and exiting the automatic doors, talking on their phones. Star stood at the front door smoking a cigarette. She paced back and forth, fuming. I stopped to stand next to her and light one too. She refused to look at me. Hey, look at me, I said. Star glared at me for a second and went back to smoking her cigarette. I'm sorry. I didn't think it would make you this mad. It was a goof, you know? We were never in any danger, I said. She stepped on her cigarette and said, We'll talk about it later. We walked through the automatic doors to see a massive complex full of scientists walking around, notepads in hand, too busy to say anything to anyone. All of them were on their phones, rapidly explaining technobabble to some poor schmuck on the other end. The complex was beautiful. Its marble floors, pillars, and staircases were glossed to a pristine sheen. I could see my reflection in the glass below the banisters going up each flight of stairs. The sound was almost like a sports event. I couldn't hear myself think over the roar of the hundreds of people all talking on their cell phones. To be honest, I doubt they could even hear themselves think either. The receptionist at the front desk of the office took calls. As soon as she put the phone down, it rang again. 
The never-ending toil of endless callers would make someone feel depersonalized. She was just a voice on the other end of the phone, each caller seeing her as they would the robot operators people commonly complain about. So many people would kill for a receptionist to answer like this now. Between automated systems and speakers with foreign accents, nobody could understand this woman was a breath of fresh air. She was the backbone of the company. Without her, the cogs would have never been able to turn. Can I help you? The receptionist asked. Yes, ma'am. We're here to speak with Mr. Eva. He's a professor here. You mean Dr. Eva Schlatz? Yes, I think so. I'm not certain. The receptionist picked up her phone and called Miss Schlatz. What's your name? Rick Levin. This is my friend, Star Valentine. Star leered at me and groaned. Yes, sir. She is in office 28B. Go up the elevator to the 28th floor. She'll be in the second office on the right. Thank you, I said. As we walked off, I could see Star was even more frustrated with me at this point. I must have said something to piss her off. We got into the elevator with a few scientists. The elevator's walls were a cheap wood veneer. They spent all that money making the place beautiful and skimped on the elevators. I hope they didn't cheap out on this elevator's other parts, too. The scientists in the elevator all spoke on their old Nokia phones about appointments, research deadlines, and test results. Every few floors, the elevator would stop to let the scientists off. By the twelfth floor, it was completely empty except for Star and me. She had her arms folded and was looking at the corner of the elevator. We walked down the hall and eventually arrived at Office 28B. I knocked on the thick wooden door and heard someone inside say, Come in! I opened the door to see a middle-aged woman with long brown hair and a lab coat. She was probably around early fifties, well-kept hair, and no makeup. She wore black rim reading glasses with a chain that sat on the back of her neck. She gave us both a warm smile and welcomed us in, offering us a seat. I'm Detective Rick Levin. How do you do? I'm Dr. Eva Schlatz. Please call me Eva, she said, extending a hand. The walls were covered all around with degrees, certificates, and awards. She was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. I let out a sigh of relief knowing we were in good hands. So, detective, what brings you here today? Am I under arrest? Eva laughed. No, Miss Schlatz. No, please, I insist. Call me Eva. I get calls all day with such formality. Eva, Star and I are doing some field work together. Could you please tell me about the man known as Ravel? Ravel? Eva laughed arrogantly. That's not a man. That's a beast. Thousands of years old. He is the bringer of decay in this world. So you can see it too? I asked. Of course I can, detective. Everyone can see what happened to Norcastle, Demora, and Maelstrom. It's truly magic. However, the majority of people are worried more about trivial affairs like their social media feeds, Eva scoffed. Is there a way to reverse or at least stop the decay? If I had that answer, I would be a billionaire. But right now, I'm just a millionaire, she said laughing. Star and I weren't amused. A knock came at the door, and Eva called for the person to come in. The door opened, and I looked back to see a skinny girl in a lab coat, large black rim glasses, and brown hair walk in the door. I'm sorry to interrupt, Miss Schlatz. I... Come in, Dana. Meet Detective Levin and Miss Valentine. Dana walked in. 
She fidgeted with her glasses and gave us a polite smile. Hi, sir. Ma'am. Miss Schlatz, there's a meeting at 5.30 in the main conference room. Eva nodded and Dana left. Eva shook her head. That poor girl, she's very shy, especially around handsome men like you, Mr. Levin. I brought her up here after an incident with some Ravel psychos happened back in Drova. She's a sweet girl, brilliant and talented. Yeah. Look, I just came from the tomb of Cyrus. A ghost named Malachim told me to find you, and you'd have the answer to how we can destroy the Book of Ravel. Now what the hell is going on? I asked. No need to be so aggressive, Mr. Levin, Eva said. I don't exactly have the patience right now to deal with riddles and jokes. We're kind of in a hurry. So please, be so kind to fill us in. The Book of Ravel is located in a temple in remote, heavily guarded, lots of monks that can kill a man just by looking at them. So we're screwed then. Great, Star said, standing up. I put my hand on her thigh and pushed it back down. Yes, now how do we destroy the book? I asked. There is a certain process you must do. Very complicated. To be honest, the best course I'd take is to not destroy the books. Have them both quarantined for study until we can figure out what to do. The decay can be reversed, but being able to research these two holy items would do mankind a world of good. Well, how do we get to remote? I can arrange for a plane to take you both there. It will have to be tomorrow, though. I'll book you both a hotel here. Have fun. Explore a bit. We have nice sights to see. Thanks, Eva. Take care, I said. Star and I left the lab. Star walked away, looking down at the marble floors. I want to be alone for a little while, Star said. Babe, I... Just leave me alone, please. Okay. I'll see you at the hotel, I said. She didn't reply and walked away toward the city. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow us, go to terrortracks.com follow. Also, please check out our Patreon where you can get cool merch, writing lessons, and other awesome rewards starting at $5 a month at patreon.com slash terrortracks. See you next week. Goodbye for now.